0: Welcome back to the Lead Inclusively podcast. Today I have with me Alex Balazs, who is the chief architect of Intuit. He's also an incredible champion of our organization. He's one of our advisors, and I am thrilled to have him here because of his incredible acumen as it relates to technology, gender parity related to women in tech, and lots more. So here we go. Hi, Alex. It's so good to see you. It's great to see you as well. So, um, as you know, we're affectionately calling this podcast, uh, the white guy advocating for workplace diversity. And there are very mm-hmm. few people that I know that would engage in this kind of conversation. We're lucky enough that we've known you for a long time and, um, and you've been unbelievably transparent and we know you as an advocate for gender parity. And mm-hmm. so I just want to thank you for having the kind of openness to engage in this conversation. Absolutely,
1: it's my pleasure.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it it holds a lot of companies back and a lot of leaders back. So I think you're going to be an inspiration to a lot of people. Great. thank you. So, if you don't mind, if you could just, um, you know, tell our listeners, you know, exactly who you are and a little bit about your background, and then we'll just get right into it.
1: Fantastic. So, Alex Belage, uh, Chief Architect at Intuit. Uh, I've been at Intuit for almost 20 years. So in two weeks, it'll be 20 years at Intuit. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, I feel like I grew up in Intuit. Uh, when I joined Intuit uh, in my 20s, I feel like I was at a different maturity level uh, than, than probably maybe I should have been. Um, and it's been an amazing opportunity for me to go from frontline engineer to senior engineer to engineering leader uh, and really have it invested in me in terms of my development of both obviously technical development, but also the emotional development and leadership development. And as part of that development, one of the uh, most compelling things for me started about 10 years ago when I really started to concentrate more on diversity and specifically women in technology. And it all started with uh, a lady who works for me who said, you know, Alex, when uh, little boys grow up, they're told that they're strong and they're smart. And when little girls grow up, they're told that they're pretty. And that has a lasting effect on someone's psyche and as they grow up. And honestly, at the time, I kind of dismissed it. And as I think back, uh, for me, that moment was required to kind of be this moment of epiphany for me to, to really begin to consider that the perspective that I have uh, may not be one that's well informed enough to actually need the kinds of opinions and the kinds of actions that I need. And so it was a slow journey in the beginning. <laughs> but uh, with the time that I spent as the chief architect of the consumer group, TurboTax and Mint, and certainly in the past two years as Intuit chief architect, uh, it's been great to have the ability to have this platform to use, to actually drive more diversity and really learn. Learn from all those around me. A huge part of it is listening. And so I'm excited to talk to you about uh, how we can use diversity better in the in the workforce. I can't wait. Yeah,
0: um, I think it might be fun for our listeners to hear a little bit about uh, your your relationship with Lead Inclusively, and mm-hmm. also just you know what made you decide to to join us in an advisory capacity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting in my role uh, as chief architect that um, I have to go between really big and really small, and like seamlessly go between like the strategy of Intuit down to the specific technology of a given project. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've trained myself to do. And 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 so as it relates to diversity, um, similar things go on where we were holding an event uh, on site uh, around women in technology and uh, someone asked me to basically kick it off and basically welcome the team on behalf of Intuit. And that is a uh, in the grand scheme of things, a small thing, right? A, an event with 40, 50, 60 people. Right. And it makes small impact, but its impact, its meaningful impact. And the balance between doing big things and small things and knowing when to do both uh, is, is, is a skill that I think I've learned from a technology perspective. And now what I felt was, can I apply this to diversity? Uh, It's great that we as Intuit are doing these events. And so, you know, Girls Who Code every summer and uh, uh, Girl Develop It uh, uh, events on site and the Women in Technology events that we have at Intuit. And these are things that solve very well in this kind of compressed finite space. But what can I do from an impact perspective that's bigger? And if we solve the gender parity problem at Intuit, and the rest of the world doesn't change, what have we really done? Uh uh What have we really done? uh So uh, when I met you, what I saw was this opportunity for us to say, we could do this at scale. And in a space that maybe traditionally was a little bit more about human advocacy and uh, consultative to actually apply technology. Technology is a great equalizer in terms of scale. right? the scale that technology brings extremely powerful and we've seen it actually used to scale not so good things. But in a world where you can use it to scale it for amazing things, for important things, to me it was like a no brainer and so once I met you and we talked about it and and I uh, you know some of the early conversations started off with what, well, Alex, what do you do in that context? Cause maybe we can productize that. And I was like, well, what does it mean to productize that? Mm-hmm. And he started talking about the scale at which you want to do this. And I said, well, scale, that's what I do. I bu- you know, we build TurboTax, we build QuickBooks, right? right? We know scale. And so to apply that at scale, to take the human element, the, 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 the empathy, the emotional intelligence, and, and build that into a, a, a couple it with a technology strategy and to build that at scale was something that I just had to be a part of.
0: That's so exciting. So, you know, when I when I first met you, uh, to be honest, I, I was just so impressed with you as a male champion. I had mm-hmm. heard you at a speaking engagement speak about women in technology and all that you were doing and all that Intuit was doing. And I just wanted you uh, to be uh, on our advisory team because I, Felt that we strongly needed that point of view, the point of view of the senior uh, white male mm-hmm. leader, so that we could, you know, kind of boldly and 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 fiercely, cha- you know, challenge th- that challenge people who are having a certain point of view, but from the point of view of knowledge and mm-hmm. understanding and mm-hmm. empathy, as yeah, you yeah. as you said before, and when we started um, building the the app then it became, you know, your value to us just grew exponentially hmm. and I'm glad that you felt that way too. What yeah. is it, uh, uh, we're going to get on to other things, but I just sure. want to ask you what is it about the app that you that excited you the most?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, it's it's a, a, a very humanizing piece of technology. Uh, when, when when you look at the, the, the basic building blocks of technology, uh, as I said, it gets to the scale element. But when I saw how you were approaching this problem and to say what we're trying to do is that this application actually has a point of view. It interacts with you almost as if it were a person. It's a it's a person at scale. Right. And so when you humanize technology and you make it something that it's easy for someone to interact with and it can actually become a part of their daily life, um, that to me was unique. This is not a training class. This isn't something where you just say, all right, I'm going to sit here in training and, you know, trudge through this thing. And I better pay attention a little bit because there's a quiz at the end, right? This is about the the interactions and trying to mimic the interactions that if you had like a a, a tiny uh, diversity expert sitting in your pocket and as you're going out through your day, this person just chiming up and saying, hey, make sure that you solicit the feedback of quiet people in this meeting. Oh, perfect, timely feedback, right? that that's a game changer.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And so that that to me was the part that was different about this app.
0: What do you think about the just in time element, the fact that there's nudge messaging like right before a meeting to help leaders be inclusive, that sort of thing?
1: Oh, it's it's so valuable. It's so valuable. You know when we we teach and learn obviously, uh how to give feedback. That into it. And the best feedback is in the moment. And there are moments where I've received feedback in the moment where I've had my manager, maybe even in front of my, all my peers, give me some feedback. It hurts. <laughs> but boy, is it valuable. Boy, you learn in that moment because if it's at the moment where you're about to do something, where it's at the moment where you're feeling something and you get that feedback, it's so critical. And I've been in meetings and some, some interaction happens in the meeting and sometimes it's a just a bad interaction. Sometimes it's a bad interaction on a diversity level. And many times, you know, I'll walk out of the meeting and it might be a male most of the time and I'll, I'll put my arm around them and I'll walk them in the opposite direction from the way that everyone else is leaving the meeting and I'll give them some feedback. And because in the moment he still feels it, he understands it, he's processing it with the feedback, it's valuable. And so the just in time, that nudge is is similar right that if we get them in the moment we get them as you're entering a meeting as you're leaving a meeting as you're about to have a one-on-one as you're thinking about your year-end reviews you're thinking about preparing year-end reviews these moments and finding these moments and giving these little nudges is so much more valuable than a tomb of information that you need to read and somehow process and understand
0: i, I can't tell you how validating that is because you're such an incredible technologist, and because you're a leader, uh, and because you're male, to have that sense of just how important this technology is going to be is mm. is really heartwarming, and I, I really appreciate it. So let's uh, let's get to to some some thornier uh, issues sure. um, at at the moment. Let's let's talk about this whole concept of workplace um, parity and i want to start by asking you. Um, a lot of uh, people have the perception that the whole concept of um, diversity and inclusion, but in particular gender parity, um, is is kind of tokenism. Have mm. you have you heard that? Expressed? Absolutely,
1: I've heard that quite a bit. Yeah.
0: What what have you heard in, in in you know as a leader in your interactions? What have you heard?
1: Yeah, you know the the, the most common thing you hear is oh, so we're going to lower the bar.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I hear that. too.
1: And, and uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to be at the uh, executive forum at Grace Hopper. And uh, there was a, a, a great uh, talk there where the speaker was saying, okay, so you're saying we're lowering the bar. What's your bar? Describe it. And in most cases, people can't describe their bar. Let's assume they could actually describe their bar. Prove to me that that bar actually is predictive of whether or not this person's going to be good at their role. And in most cases, there's no causality at all. Right. So, you know, I would say that the folks that have that feeling of tokenism or you're lowering the bar uh, is starting with preconceived notions that some of the systems that we've put into place are actually representative or predictive of success. Mm-hmm. And they're actually not. They've actually been proven that they're not right. So it gets you to uh, question the system itself. And so it's not a matter of taking your existing system and then lowering some mythical bar. It's about saying, do I actually have a system in place that is leading towards a workforce that can deliver what I need to deliver? And as we think about the problems that we have that we're solving here at Intuit, for example, uh, over 50 percent of small business owners now are female. Right. The fastest growing segment of small business owners globally is female. So if we don't have a diverse workforce, how are we going to create a diverse product? It's impossible. And one of my favorite stories, you've heard me say this before, and I, I don't remember the exact number, but when they released the iPhone and they realized and they were doing some type of beta test. And so the people could opt into kind of uploading their pictures so that Apple can can you know analyze them. And uh, as they were analyzing the pictures, they realized that something like 12% of the pictures were upside down. So why are these pictures upside down? And then they realized, oh, left-handed people hold the phone in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. They had no left-handed people on the design team or the engineering team. And so they didn't account for that. And that's just like a perfect example that if you're if you're talking about creating products for a diverse world, how do you do that if your workforce isn't diverse? And then if you're creating measures that get more people like what you already have, if as it's as it's actually diversifying your workforce, uh, of course it's going to have that effect. That it's going to make it more diverse, right? But but it's it's that the, the tokenism, the, the the lowering of the bar, it, it basically is uh, kind of a, a a self-justifying mechanism of a system that already exists that's been proven to actually not work.
0: That yeah, is just brilliant. Um... What, what do we what do we say to the white male middle manager mm-hmm. who has been working for years and years to get promoted um, when when he voices concern that if we're going to move to gender parity if that necessarily means uh, in, in in his eyes perhaps that um, he's not going to get that promotion that he's been working for years mm-hmm. to, to get Yep.
1: It's a great question. Uh, I've actually had this question brought to me and uh, the best way to answer that question is that when when you think about how companies are constructed and um, leadership positions being available, um, it cannot be about an individual person rising. It is about the entire water level rising, right? So in a world where we don't put the best people in positions of leadership, the the, the growth of the company and the, and the expansion of the company will not be as fast as it could be, right? So now in a world where you do have the right measures, you do build a diverse leadership team, the water level rises faster, the company grows faster. What happens when a company grows? More leadership positions are available, right? So it actually is more detrimental to perpetuate the existing system because it constrains the growth of the company and there's fewer positions available. And so as you make good decisions, as you create a diverse leadership team, as you create a diverse workforce, selling for a diverse world, you become a more successful company. As you become a more successful company, the company grows. As the company grows, leadership positions grow. Now there's more positions for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And and you know, I think similarly that these things have been proven out that Uh, I know you have a lot of information about you know diverse companies being more successful and so when you show them hey listen it is about the whole growing the water level rising for all of us and as that happens more positions are available for all of us right
0: I think it's interesting because a lot of the companies uh, a lot of our clients um, will say that that there really isn't a significant problem in um, senior leadership positions, perhaps because as you just stated, they can be more philosophical, they can look at the whole, they Mm -hmm. can look at the organization, and in fact, it's their responsibility to look at the strategic, um, you know, advanced growth of the company. The problem, if you talk to diversity and inclusion professionals, um, most of the frustration that I hear is about the sticky middle, Mm -hmm. right? Because we see, for example, a lot of women and people of color um, you know, at the uh, entry levels of the organization, and getting them past that that middle management um, mm. is just so, so difficult. Yes. And I think it's in part because um, if we do have that individualistic um, attitude as opposed as opposed to the higher level of leadership mm. a- aspect that you just mentioned, um, that's going to necessarily inhibit um, growth.
1: It absolutely will. It absolutely will. And, and this is why uh, sponsorship is critical. Mm-hmm. So senior leaders need to sponsor those that are on the verge of getting to the middle and actually helping them through that process. And so I personally, I sponsor male and female, you know, mm-hmm. the different races. Um, I, 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 I seek to find the best of the best. And help sponsor them so what does sponsorship mean you know sponsorship sounds like you do the work for them that's not what sponsorship is right sponsorship is about connecting talent to opportunity
0: Mm -hmm. talk talk about the difference between sponsorship and mentorship because a lot of people do not understand the difference yeah in
1: fact i like to talk about it as mentorship coaching and sponsorship right so mentorship is about listening right so having the opportunity where uh you have a mentor and uh, you reflect ideas off of them. You say what's going on. You have the opportunity to talk and unpack your thoughts on it. Um, the mentor tends to ask a lot of questions that are very powerful questions to allow you to discover yourself. So it's about discovering who you are as a person so that you can grow. Coaching comes when uh, that mentorship grows to the point where your mentor or coach actually will give you advice, will actually try to push you in a certain direction. Right, So uh, I had someone, uh, in fact, it was a, uh, a senior engineer uh, w- woman uh, who came to me and said, uh, Alex, I would like to uh, become a staff engineer, but uh, on my team, there's already three staff engineers. Uh, what should I do? And I said, switch teams. And she said, but I really like working on mobile and this is the mobile team and I wanna to continue to work on mobile, what should I do? And I said, switch teams. (laughs) She said, but you know, I really like my manager. What should I do? Switch teams. I know what
0: that's going. (laughs) Right?
1: She switched teams. Yeah. A year later, she got promoted. Two years later, now very recently, she is now leading the mobile team.
0: Yep. Wow, that's awesome. And by the way, that is statistically, it is... um, Somewhat typical that women will be thinking more about the task at hand, the job itself, the yes. relationships, um, as opposed to the overall career path.
1: And, and and the fact that it's it's it must be a linear journey.
0: Mm-hmm. And it is not a linear. journey. It's not journey. a linear journey by we any means. We sometimes way.
1: have to take side steps. Yep. In fact, some of the most powerful moves are ones we take maybe even half a step back. Right. Right. But with an eye towards the prize, right an eye. So now, so that's, that's coaching. So now sponsorship gets into, I am an executive leader of Intuit. I find that there are opportunities. All I see is opportunity. I see places where we need great leadership in this company in the middle. And as I look at the front lines, I try to find the best of the best. And I say, I am going to sponsor you. I'm going to advocate on your behalf and connect you to this opportunity. And I am connecting you to this opportunity because you deserve it. Not because I'm lowering a bar, not because it's tokenism, I'm doing it because you deserve it. And so there's two very powerful aspects to this. One is now suddenly they're aware of an opportunity. The second is sometimes I've noticed the smallest word can have the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at Grace Hopper last week and I had uh, two, two different occasions where a college age young lady came up to the booth. And the thing that they both started with was, Alex, it's nice to meet you. I don't think I'm good enough for this. Seriously. And I told them I'm the chief architect of a silicon valley software company and I'm telling you you're good enough. And they were like, "What?" I said, "Yes." And then I spent the next 5 minutes unpacking what it takes to be a great engineer. The skills that it takes to be a great engineer, a great collaborator. Oh, I love collaborating. A great communicator. Oh, I love communicating. Someone who loves teamwork and delivering as a team. Oh, I'm a great team player. And someone who's passionate about technology. And she could see her kind of stand up straight and be proud of herself. She said, I could be a great engineer I Said, yes, you can be a great engineer. So I hope that it had a big impact on her.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it's very telling of the, the self deprecation yes. that, that, that we experience, um, you know, I, I, throughout my career, I have found myself kind of alternating between, um, sort of over credentializing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and self-deprecation, and and I, I do mean like sometimes I feel like it's almost like a cycle, like an, and and mm-hmm. then and then at some point, you know, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> uh, you you get it right. Yes. But having somebody call you on that mm-hmm. and 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 be be telling you that you are good enough and yeah. to act like you're good enough because if you don't, you're not going to get the job or the promotion uh, or what absolutely. have you is huge.
1: Absolutely. Just
0: huge. Um, in terms of being uh, a male champion, um, have you ever made any false starts? Did you ever try to do something good that uh, ended up maybe not being as good as you hoped it would be?
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think that um, you know the most important part of this journey for me is that you know I got involved in this and I I started to be a champion and. Many of my missteps were based in the fact that I tried to be a male champion thinking as a male. Okay. And so, for example, I would have a conversation with uh, a mid-career woman in tech and I would advocate very strongly on her behalf. And suddenly in that entire scenario, I had all the power instead of setting up an environment where she still had the power where she developed the power. How
0: did you figure that
1: out? I figured that out because about about four ish years ago, I started down this journey where uh, I think it was actually based in a a conversation that I had at Grace Hopper, where I realized that every single aspect of my background disqualifies me to be competent in this space. I am white. I am male. I grew up middle class uh, in a contiguous home whose parents sent me to private schools, lived in a bubble, absolutely nothing prepared me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that every single perspective that I had about how I was trying to solve in this space was from my perspective. So how did you alter that? So what I started to do was to, I I, in general, ask a lot of questions. I'm, I'm a huge believer in inquiry to the point where people will, technologists will sit in my office and they'll say, Alex, all you do is ask questions. And I'll say you want me to advocate. I'll start advocating, and <laughs> then we'll start talking deep tech, right? But in this space, I realized that I, I when I when I discovered it and I was so excited about it, I started advocating a lot. And I realized I just need to shut up and listen. Interesting. And when I just started asking more and more questions, suddenly I understood that the things that I thought were important suddenly are not so important. The things that maybe I didn't think were that relevant or important were important. When you come from the perspective of being a woman, being a person of color and the journey that you take to this moment, this moment in time, my journey was completely different. So let me learn your journey. What journey did you take? Because if I understand your journey, I can do a better job of advocating.
0: I'm guessing that in addition to contributing to your growth as a a male champion, that it also was more empowering. Uh, to, to the woman that you were coaching or mentoring or a sponsoring.
1: I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I, I think it was because, you know, the, the, hopefully the, the, the questions that I asked and the feedback I provided was more actionable and more relevant.
0: Yep. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you, what do you think we can do to continue to bridge the gap?
1: Uh, you know, I go back to the, the conversation around um, big and small so uh, I think that there is no action that is too small. None. Uh, the smallest things can make a huge difference, right? And the example I'll give you is that uh, one of our one of my coworkers brought uh, her daughter into work. And I think she was probably five years old, and she was dressed like a princess, like a Disney princess. And I have my own kind of sometimes issues with the whole images around Disney mm-hmm. princesses and okay. things, but so I knelt down to her level and I said, you look really strong.
0: As opposed to you look really really pretty or yes. you look like a princess or whatever.
1: I said, you look really strong.
0: That is right? awesome. And I think
1: the smallest things that we can do like that, it, 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 it builds on itself and it creates this momentum, right? And so there are those kinds of things. There are the things where... Um, any time that you hear that any event is going on that, that that solves in this space, be a part of it, right? So um, the first couple years that Intuit had the girls who code uh, um, uh, uh, at, at our Mountain View campus in Mountain View, um, I didn't attend. And I felt like, you know, I'm doing a lot of things around women in tech for existing workforce. I'm not sure I can provide any relevance there. And now I've attended three years in a row, I was there for the kickoff and I go visit them during the session and it's been huge for me and I hope huge for them too because I've connected to all of them on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Once in a while they reach out to me and they ask me for advice, they ask me for college recommendations and of course I do it, mm-hmm. right? And so once again, it's this small pocket. Yeah. That's right? not so
0: small to so see. You know. Yeah, but
1: it's yeah. like medium size maybe, small. right? Yeah. And then you get to the bigger things. Mm-hmm right? And, and to, you want to solve across that spectrum. So what are the bigger things that we can do? And, you know, the bigger things include things like refusing to uh, to close uh, a rec and hire someone until you've interviewed at least one female. I love that. We had one senior engineering position uh, that I and another senior vice president into it said, we are not hiring this position until we interview at least one female. Eight months into it, Uh, After I'd reviewed many, many male candidates um, and rejected 95% of them, uh, the recruiting company tried to get me removed from the effort. Oh, my. And luckily, the other senior vice president supported me in this and said, no, you think he's doing a great job because technically he was the hiring manager. Right. And then 10 months in, we found one female candidate and she was amazing. And we hired her and she now works it into it.
0: That is awesome. You have some women in some pretty senior positions in Intuit.
1: We do, yeah. So 50% of CEO staff is female. Uh, the CTO of Intuit is female, Mariana Tessel, my, my boss, she's amazing. Um, her staff is 50% female. My staff as the chief architect is 50% female. So in, in, It's kind of similar to what you said. In very senior roles, I think we're doing well. Could always do better, but we're doing well. I think in the uh, early career, we're doing Fairly well. I think the middle is where we're continuing to, to to, figure things out, build the right types of strategies to continue mm-hmm. to push through the, the, the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the returnship programs that we've created for women who have left the workforce and now they want to get back in, like, well, how do I get back in after leaving for three or four years? Come back for an internship. We call it a returnship. So far, our hit rate on returnship is 100%. Wow. 100% have either gotten a job at Intuit or gotten a job somewhere else.
0: Wow. 100%. I have to ask you, um, what do you think is the connection between employee happiness and organizational success?
1: Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You, you have to love your job. I mean, uh, I've actually, it's funny when I go to Hungary, go visit my relatives, and somehow the conversation will come up about how hard I work. And they say, why do you work so hard? And I said, because I love my job and why do you love your job? And I say, well, the, the work is great. The environment is amazing. And it's the kind of place where I believe I can make a difference. And so this, the, the happiness that you feel when you feel belonging, when you feel like you're, you're an integral part of this place, it's like the devotion almost that you have to your family. Because I belong in my family, I'm going to make it work. Because I belong in the place where I grew up. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm still a fan of Cleveland Browns and all my original home sports teams because I feel a belonging to them and I feel like a connection to them, right? And it brings me happiness. And so there's a huge, you know, you, you, you work as a, as a senior engineering leader in a company or a senior leader in any company. And you've got planning that goes on at the end of a fiscal year and you're moving numbers around and then suddenly you have this realization that and maybe not so suddenly but it happens throughout the process, these are people. Mm-hmm. These are people. And when I got into uh, the consumer group six years ago, I became the chief architect. I very quickly learned it was a people job. Here I am the chief architect in a tech company for a product. It was primarily a people job.
0: That must have been an incredible realization. It as was. Best, I mean, you describe yourself as an introvert. Yes. So, so that must have been over the top.
1: Yes. And how do I draw these mm-hmm. people out? How do I get them to commit? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, there was this one time where this um, uh, someone asked a question in All Hands, and I was um, the question was around the idea of you know this technology standard uh, <laughs> that you that you just declared. Uh, you know, why did you declare it? And 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 you know what's the deal with standards? Why are you declaring standards? And what I said was, um, we do this because this is not about the technology. This is an ideology. Do you believe? Because I want you to believe. You got to be part of building this environment, and I want you to believe. If you believe, we're gonna win,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And for me, that it you know going back to diversity, there's this moment that you can see in people's eyes. Where suddenly they believe. You know, in the beginning, they actually just, I feel like many people go through the motions. That's right,
0: because they have There to. was actually
1: someone two weeks ago, or a week ago, sorry, that was at Grace Hopper, and it was his first time at Grace Hopper. He's a senior engineering leader, and he went through the motions quite well. But he was at Grace Hopper, and he just, we had a really deep conversation, and he said, Alex, I get it. I believe now. And I'm gonna go back, and I'm gonna redouble my efforts now. What,
0: what do you suppose made? What was the transition? Do you know?
1: The the when when you see um, a subset of your workforce of pretty in 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 pockets being female,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then the question is: Are they bringing their whole selves to work? Okay. And now when you go to Grace Hopper and you see all these amazing female technologists, amazing technologists who happen to be female, all together, it's such an energy and. a passion that's connected to it that you can't help but come away a believer.
0: Wow, that's very powerful. And it's so, it's interesting because what my next question to you was going to be based on, you know, my first question was, is there a connection between happiness and organizational success? My next question was going to be, do you believe that belonging is important to happiness? But you answered both, oh, yeah. both questions in one. And we are 100% with you on that. I, I If you don't, have a sense of belonging it's hard to feel totally ha- happy we are human beings yep. we are meant we're not meant to be solo we're meant to be yeah. a, a part of a of a community yes and and the workplace is in fact a community so that was that was very very powerful
1: yeah one quick thing to add to that is that Sasan gadarzi our our ceo says it so beautifully where he says you know we talk about diversity and inclusion diversity is a fact you're either diversity or you're not right. inclusion is a choice
0: right 100%. Right.
1: And if you work really hard to create a diverse workforce and you're not inclusive, what have you done? What have you done? Yeah. Right. And so you got to do both. Both of them put together.
0: You said that um, you said that beautifully, Alex, um, Alex, I cannot thank you enough. Um, there are no words to express um, how much you mean to our team. Well, thank you. Um, you're a part of our success and we are honored to know you.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to chat with you here. And it's even more of a pleasure to continue to work with you on the amazing work you're doing at Lead Inclusively. Thank you so much.